This is for you, George. Excellent. It's a great joy, pleasure, honor, and privilege for me to be here at this church this morning. And I'd like to first of all thank Pastor Josh so much for his hospitality and his grace and for providing me with cranberry juice. <laughs> He's given me two bottles in case I need to relieve myself. <laughs> I also need to thank George for inviting me via RTB to be here today. It's been two years in the making. And uh, of course, uh, Brad, who uh, drove me up to Joshua, um, the Joshua Trees, the Heritage Park, and so on. That was just so special, having fellowship with him and the other RTB members, including Tracy and Jacob, for also setting up this morning. I was also greatly moved to chat to Larry, who I understand is the daddy of Joshua. And Larry and I were having such a deep, intimate chat that I thought I might be late for the service. Something special happened just before I stepped onto the podium this morning, well, alongside the podium. And that was, there's a little girl called Alicia. Where's her mother? Alicia's mother. And I think it was Alicia. But, it, ah, there. Alicia, was it? Adelina. Ad Adelina. Ah. And, you know, I was feeling lonely. <laughs> you know, sometimes on stage you feel so lonely that even lonely people say you feel lonely. That's a joke. But the important thing is, that she came up to me and her mother allowed her to just give me a little hug, Josh. And I wanted to cry. It was just so special. And so my Saturn engines, my rockets are filled up this morning and I'm ready to preach. All right, um, I did sign up for the volunteer list. Um, <laughs> Because there's a lot of pressure in this church. It's cash or crypto or everything else. And so I thought, boy, I better not let this one go. So I signed my name in Hebrew so that they can't contact me. <laughs> so today, for the next 45 minutes, somewhere around there, we're going to be spending our time looking up in wonder. You know, most people are looking down. People feel so low that even people who suffer from depression say they look unusually low. <laughs> That's true. And so we need a reason, beloved. We need a reason to look up. And that's why I'm here this morning with my cranberry juice. <laughs> now, how many of you have read G.K. Chesterton? Anyone? Lovers of G.K. Chesterton? Larry's hands up at the back. Two other hands, and for the rest, may God help you. But um, <laughs> Chesterton uh, wrote a very famous poem called Gloria in Profundis, which means God, glory to God in the depths. And the message of Christmas, Joss, is God comes down. Not always glory to God in the highest, 
but glory to God in the lowest. The Jesus I serve is the Jesus who washes my feet. I don't know when you've washed somebody's feet, but I tell you something. Jesus of Nazareth is passing your way today. I believe that with all my heart. And, you know, it's just so beautiful, this poem, and I'll just read a few lines. There's fallen on earth for a token a God too great for the sky. Isn't it beautiful? A God too great for the sky. I mean, you who love Tolkien, not the person Tolkien, but his writings, Josh. There's fallen, forgive me, I'm Jewish human. There's fallen on earth for a token a God too great for the sky. He has burst out of all things and broken the bounds of eternity. If it doesn't excite you, you, you belong in a mortuary. Um, into time, um, amen, and terminal end. He has strayed like a thief or a lover, for the wine of the world rooms over. Its splendor is spilt on the sand. Who is proud when the heavens are humble? Who mounts up if the mountains fall, if the fixed stars topple and tumble, and the deluge of love tumbles all? Who rears up his head for a crown? This is the jewel of this poem. This poem. Who rears up his head for a crown? Who holds up his wall for a warrant? Who strives with a starry torrent when all that is good comes down? That is just, ah. Oh, I mean, that energizes me like the hug. It's just so profound. So I want to lead you this morning into looking up in wonder. You know, it strikes me that many people have not really seen the Milky Way, for example. In fact, in this audience today, how many of you have seen the Milky Way? So we've got quite a few people who've seen the Milky Way. But in cities, it's very rare to see the Milky Way. I wonder if we could have this light off, please, and maybe this light off, because astronomers do it in the dark. And I'm feeling very exposed. I'm not in the dark. I need, uh, you need to see these slides. Kill the lights nearly. I mean, you don't need to see me. You need to see the slides. <laughs> I've gone halfway around the world to take the slides. So you need to see them. You, at lights, you can watch at home. So, um, yeah, here's the Via Lactea, the Milky Way, the glorious Milky Way. And you know, every time I stand under the canopy domes of our closest galaxy, the Milky Way, God says to me, yes, I've made all of these stars, but I'm coming down. And that's what I love about the Milky Way so much is God is the God. The psalmist got it right, I think. The heavens declare the glory of God. Oh, that's beautiful, hallelujah. I wish I could do it like that. That's from, it's, that's called the guttural hallelujah. There's the peripheral hallelujah, but there's the guttural one. When you're giving the cash, it's from here. But when you're praising God, it's from here. That's a joke. Um, so, the glory of God is portrayed everywhere. And you know, every time I look at these images and I see men and women um, 
who are photographing the Milky Way, one always stands and somehow looks at the tapestry of the Milky Way and God's embroidered skies. I think that's what's so beautiful is the embroidered skies of God. And that's why I'm so proud to be an RTB visiting scholar because of reasons to believe. We give people around the world, George, reasons to believe. Not just belief in a nebulous God, but who is proud when the heavens are humble? Who demands a crown when the starry torrent drowns it all? Jesus of Nazareth is the only one who qualifies. Now we're talking because I'm in the dark. Now we're talking. Look at this image. This is Messiah 83. NGC 5236, and it contains a million, million stars. A million, million stars. And yet, God has always said to me, David, I call every single star by name. And you know, if you had to count the stars in our Milky Way galaxy alone, it would take 2,500 years, counting one star per second. This is an amazing image. Just look at it on Joshua's screen. I mean, Larry, you've given your son good training. Now, <laughs> the light from this galaxy, light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second in vacuum, has taken two million years to reach our eyes. Two million years. There's a lot can happen without you worrying about it because God's in control. I want to share a little story very quickly. I needed a wife. <laughs> you know, I would minister around the world, and I looked at all these beautiful young ladies aged in their 20s, and I think one might come to me saying, Dave, I'm suffering some from loneliness. <laughs> but everybody said it's a great sermon and went out. And I said, Lord, it is not good for man to be alone, Lord. And he said, yeah, that's in the scriptures. <laughs> and I was ministering in Canada, much like this. I was ministering in Canada, and I said, Lord, if we have faith, your word says, if we have faith, George, as a grain of mustard seed, we shall speak unto our mountain of need, and it will go. And so I visited a tiny church in Canada, and I put in, I think, $2 into the plate. And I said, that's for my Jewish Christian wife, because I'm a Jew. He forgot to tell you that, Joshua, but I'm Jewish. I can actually prove it to you because I'm circumcised. <laughs> I'm an NJB, a nice Jewish boy. And I wanted an NJG, a nice Jewish girl. And I put in my two dollars and I flew home. And to cut a very long story short, we were married and we married 40 years. They say if I put in $4, I would have got her sister. <laughs> you see, 
The God who controls the stars controls the desires of your heart. That's in the Bible. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I mean, as you look at these images, some from Hubble, some from James Webb, there's like a message of glory in all these images. It's just one wow image after another. This is a stellar maternity ward. That's true. I'm also known as a professor of stellar obstetrics and gynecology. <laughs> Many people in South Africa believe I'm an earthly gynecologist, which is terribly embarrassing, but because they start explaining their needs to me, but um, their gynecological needs. But um, I am a professor of stellar obstetrics and gynecology, where baby stars are being born. But the wonderful thing is this. Larry, if you had to count the stars like this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It would take you 2,500 years to count them all just there in the Milky Way. And yet, we read in the Bible, he telleth the number of the stars by name, that's Psalm 147, he healeth the broken in heart. And that's what I believe God does best. Really, I do. He's a master at healing the broken in heart. Yeah. I really believe that. You know, as I minister, the other day I was ministering at a church, I asked if anyone was suffering from addictions. Half the church came up. <laughs> I was busy, kept on my feet for one and a half hours. People are hurting. People are really hurting. I've got absolutely nothing about people taking medicine to help them relieve their pain. But I want to tell you, the master who controls these galaxies and still a maternity wards can heal the broken in heart this morning. Oh, I love that clip. It just, you know, I was feeling a kind of lonely again. <laughs> it's a while since I got my hug, but now I've got a clip. And look at this, the Horsehead Nebula. My students ask me, David, why is this shaped in the form of a horse's head? But they repeat the course. <laughs> this is cosmic dust, beloved, the stuff of which you and I are made. Pinch yourself. Pinch yourself. You are made of carbon-based starter. In other words, do it. Feel yourself. It's good to feel yourself. People say, Prof, is it biblical to feel yourself? Oh, yeah. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I look at my hand. I say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't always feel that way when people show me the front door, as Tracy knows. <laughs> and I can be very rude at times. But I want to tell you, we, the truth is, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But we're made of the stuff cooked in the Indies of stars, the stardust. Just look at this. This is a close-up of the horse head. Look at this one of the horse head. It's a region in the skies containing vast areas of cosmic dust of which you and I are made. And it's awesome. Yes? Oh. 
But this is even more awesome, and it's free. You know, that's the wonderful thing about God. I've learned as a Jewish boy is you never have to placate God with money or anything else. You never do. The heavens are free, and thank God for that. Because Larry and I were saying whenever there's a Christian involved in finance, it often goes down the tube. <laughs> That's what Larry and I were saying. He said, Dave, if you want to know how Christians can mess things up, just look around you. <laughs> and it's true. I know, because I've ministered with some very well-known names who are no more. But for various reasons. But when you look at this, this is called pillars of creation. Isn't that a wow? Pillars of cosmic dust. We are made of the stuff cooked in the interiors of stars. Cosmic stardust. And this is called pillars of creation. Now, here's a close-up. I mean, just look at the screen, Josh. It's working now, you see, in the dark. Look at the juxtaposition, the subtle tones of the blues and the browns and the orange hues. I mean, if I had Vivaldi, I'd be here all day because I love Vivaldi. I mean, I love not the man Vivaldi, but his work. And so uh, I thought to myself, you know, Pastor Josh is so excited to have me here, he couldn't contain himself. No, we only made contact a day ago, but he was so gracious. He even gave me cranberry juice. And so I thought, what could I do for Pastor Josh's congregation, who've been so warm to me, that I want to give you a little present today. Now, I adore this. Yes. Who's that by? Yeah, so there's in America, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. The original way to pronounce the, the Netherlands, the Dutch, is van gogh. That's the correct way. You, you, it's the gatroch. Now, that's true. It's van gogh. You say that to your friends that on Christmas Day. Um, this painting by von Gogh is really a masterpiece. But what I did was I imposed the two. And so you've got the beautiful juxtaposition of the big, the macrocosm, and the juxtaposition of the small. I mean, don't you want to give that as a Christmas gift to somebody? The only problem is it's copyrighted. But um, it's just so gorgeous. And so beautiful. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. And God said to me, David, I will give you the treasures of darkness, cosmic dust. I will give you the treasures of darkness. I'm going to give them to you, David. That's the God I serve. You know, he's not only the God who saves my soul, but he's interested in my wife, my children, and the desires of my heart, which includes my research. I mean... Have you ever thought how hard it is for a boy from South Africa to be on the flagship of NASA? I mean, have you ever thought, here I come from South Africa, you know, down under. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. That's a NASA press release. This is a NASA press release. And it says, oh, sorry, something happened there. So let's just go to the press release if we can find it. And it says, dust in the Andromeda galaxy. Don't know why it's doing this, but we'll do it quickly because it's being impatient, that image. 
dust in the Andromeda galaxy, NASA, don't know why it's doing this, but it's doing it. All right, so let's just go back again. But anyway, it says uh, dust in the Andromeda spiral galaxy. Watch very quickly. Uh, J NASA, JPL, and myself. So God has given me the treasures of darkness, which is what I love to be if I'm on stage here for RDB or wherever I am around the world, is he's given us this kind of stuff the treasures of darkness, to give people a deep uh, meaning of it all. The psalmist says, I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, moon and stars mounted in their settings. Then I look at my Microsoft self and wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? Isn't that just stunning? Look at this from the James Webb Space Telescope. Again, pillars of cosmic dust. Again, stars, baby stars being born only a few million years old, writhing, seething in their natal maternity wards with cosmic dust contained in these GMCs or giant molecular clouds. And so again, because Josh asked me to be here today, care of Brian and so on, I put together that. I'm so excited with that image. Thanks, Josh. He's responded. <laughs> I thought I was not reaching Josh today. You know what I mean? I thought I didn't have him. The worst feeling you have is to be on stage and the pastor sleeping. <laughs> and so look at the colors of the yellows, Tracy, and the oranges, and then the blues, and I showed that to Hugh Ross as well. It's, but it, what I'm doing is, what I'm trying to tell you is the God of the big is the God of the small. The God of the big who wants to set you free today. Again, many bubbles in the cosmos, cosmic dust, the stuff of which we are made. Look at that. Uh, that one's also gone quickly. Uh, they seem to be wanting to move on, some of them. But this is an image of mine called the Rosette Nebula. It's another area in the sky in which baby stars are made. It really is awesome. Has anyone seen that image before? It's beautiful. It's stunning. Not because I took it, but because God <laughs> made it. To tell us there's a message there. There's a message there. Look up in wonder but never give up. You know, Christmas time is a time, unfortunately, where many people give up. They feel lonely and depressed. But God says this Christmas, look up in wonder. Just look at this. This is the gynecologist zooming in on his stellar maternity wards. Even Larry's amazed at the image. <laughs> I mean, even Larry's smiling. I mean, that's a miracle. <laughs> but, yeah, look at this. This is a chain of cosmic dust, the stuff of which you and I are made, and the heavens declare the glory of God. You see, God says, I need cranberry juice. 
It's not the best brand. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> it's my good Jewish humor. Jewish people have sometimes, sometimes, humor. It's the way we've survived for hundreds of years. <laughs> Hugh Ross would say billions of years. <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite, George. But... Uh, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth, that's cosmic dust, and he breathes into his nostrils a breath of life, and man becomes a living soul. Let me show you. There I'm in theater at the birth of our firstborn son, Aaron. And God is telling me to encourage you with a little story. For 10 years, my wife couldn't fall pregnant. For 10 years. And people prophesied around the world and they said, Liz, I remember in Germany, somebody prophesied and said, Liz, you are pregnant. And then we flew to Harvard University. I was a guest at Harvard University. And Liz was absolutely shattered, shattered um, Josh, when she had her periods. She wasn't pregnant. It was a false prophecy. But God said to me, but God said to me, David, never give up. And you know, it took 10 years without infertility. God said, never, that's why I loved having your little daughter, you see. God said to me, never, 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 never give up. There's no baby, but there's God. I'm not saying you shouldn't adopt children if God leads that way, but what I am saying is God said to me, believe me like Abraham believed me. Listen, Abraham and Sarah were in the tent of an evening. They were so old, right? I mean, Sarah's teeth were like the stars. They came out at night. <laughs> I mean, you better believe that. And they had a little cuddle and something happened. Yes. That's why I'm here, because of the cuddle. And so God said, David, just keep on cuddling. Which I enjoyed being an astronomer because I study heavenly bodies. That's true. <laughs> I'm an astronomer, so I study heavenly bodies. And so God said, just wait. And 10 years into everything, 10 years into everything, Liz fell pregnant with Aaron. And if you go on Google, you can hear Nelson Mandela singing to Aaron Block. If you just Google uh, Aaron Block Mandela twinkle, twinkle, little star, Something like that, just simple. Um, you'll hear Air, uh, Mandela singing Twinkle Twinkle to the Sky after 10 years of trying. And then uh, seven years later, Liz phones me from the gynecologist rooms. I thought there may be a problem. She said, I'm pregnant again. I said, honey, that's awesome. But there's something in your voice that you need to tell me more. She said, but the doctor sees two eggs, not one. 
And we have twins, age 24, named by Nelson Mandela. So from barrenness, here's the message. From barrenness comes fruitfulness. From barrenness, listen to me, I'm a professor. (laughs) From barrenness comes fruitfulness. From the valley of the dry bones. I remember Tracy coming into my office. We were praying some. I just had a dreadful experience and so forth. But I want to tell you that out of that valley of dry bones come sinews of flesh. Out of barrenness comes hope. Out of death comes life. Out of the seeming darkness of infertility and not falling pregnant comes forth Aaron. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it happened to Abraham, as I said. And uh, here is Job. I mean, have you ever thought of Job? Losing everything. His cryptocurrency. No, Job losing every. I love this image because it's by Bonar, and you just see Job, and everything is rather lifeless except his eyes. In this image is the beauty of God's grace in the eyes. And so Job is looking up. He's stripped of all his worthly possessions, including his family. God says, Can you look up? Can you look up, Job? to the beautiful Pleiades and Orion. Can you look up, Job, did you make them? There's Orion and Orion's belt. Job, can you make the Pleiades star cluster? Job, can you make the Pleiades? And that's, oh, I'm so glad Joshua said that's cool. It means he's following me. I'm not sure if Larry's following me, but Josh is following me. And so God, in the midst of all hell, always says to me, David, look up. That's what God always does. I wrote a book. Here's a book I wrote. It's on the hell of bullying. And a Holocaust survivor said on two years ago, she was then in a much better frame of mind, in the hell of bullying, hope flowers. On the darkest of nights, the stars shine the brightest. Holocaust survivor and... Um, clinical psychologist, Dr. Eager. But it's called The Tribe Has Not Spoken. How many of you have watched Survivor? You know it? The Tribe Has Spoken. God said to me, The Tribe Has Not Spoken. Now, I want to get on to the second part of my message quickly, this Christmas star. The wise men followed the star for a period of around two years. And... There were not three, I'm sure. The fact that there are three gifts doesn't mean there were three wise men, but they followed the star. What was the star? Was it a comet? Was it an exploding star? I'm just going to run through that very, very quickly this morning. Um, I've given a far more detailed expose at Reasons to Believe. But, you know, people have said to me, Professor, might this have been a comet? And... um, I adore comets. I remember studying comets, seeing comets. But the problem with comets is they don't fit the narrative of Matthew 2. One other interesting possibility is that the cosmic kiss, 
the cosmic kiss, where you've got Jupiter and Saturn, and they come closer and closer in the sky. They look almost like one star, and we call it a planetary conjunction. So that remains an interesting kind of possibility. Uh, the, uh, Johannes Kepler, very famous astronomer, plotted the positions of Saturn and Jupiter, and they can come very, very close indeed. Um, Kepler calculated that Jupiter and Saturn were in conjunction, close together in the sky, three times around the birth, around the time of the birth of Jesus. Here is what it might look like on a computer screen, is Saturn and Jupiter. Now, when Pastor Josh is preparing his sermon in the year 7541 AD, um, he must preach on this. It's a long time away, Josh, you've got time. But these are rare, but they do happen. And the last one before the triple conjunction, this last one 9,000 years ago. New stars are possibilities, where there's nothing, and suddenly there's a new star. Astronomers call that a nova. Some astronomers have wondered, could it have been a supernova or an exploding star? We don't know. We just don't know. There's not enough information in Matthew chapter 2 for us to give a definitive answer, but... I want to give you some take-home lessons from the Magi and from the Star of Bethlehem. I'm going to ask the RTB staff to be patient with me because they've heard this once before, but it's, it's always relevant. Uh, people told me they've read John 3.16 once before, and I say you need to read it more than once to really understand it fully. And so a few take-home lessons from the Star of Bethlehem. I hope they'll excite you. Do not act until you see your star. Until the Holy Spirit says to you, go, you stay. Is there a dating app in America like TikTok or something? I don't know what they use. But in South Africa, they use this dating app. Listen to me. You don't need no app in general. God will direct you to be at the right place at the right time. But for heaven's sake, don't move until you have the evidence. Years ago, I was invited to be a senior lecturer in astronomy at the University of the Orange Free State in Bloemfontein, which means essentially the same as receiving an invite to speak in the Grand Canyon. There are not many Jewish people in the Grand Canyon. And remember, I'd given $2 for my wife. <laughs> and so I received this invite to go in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere, to accept this position as a senior lecturer in astronomy. And I, an immediate thought was, Lord, this is wrong. Where will I meet a Jewish Christian wife like in the Grand Canyon? I mean, it's... It's not possible. On Clifton Beach in the Cape, yes, but not in the deserts. No. But God said, go. I phoned some brothers. They said, yeah, we witness in our spirit. You've got to go to Bloemfontein. 
And so I was in a home. It was a very, very wealthy family. They seated around a hundred people in their lounge. A hundred people with a classical piano, uh, the grand piano. And I adore Bach, I adore Vivaldi, Josh. There were a hundred people present. And uh, suddenly this young Jewish girl came up to me. Suddenly. She was barefoot, she wasn't wearing any shoes. Not because she was poor, but because she liked walking barefoot. And she said to me, I just want to introduce myself. Now this is in the middle of nowhere. She said, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Liz Levitt. And the bell dropped because Levitt is of the tribe of Levi. More kosher you cannot get. <laughs> and to cut a long story short, we were married in Bloemfontein and have been married for 40 years. So the interesting thing is, in the middle of the desert, as it were, God performed the miracle. Because you don't move until you have the evidence. But once you have the evidence, go. You know, years ago, I've been at Oral Roberts University a few times. Years ago, a man came to Oral Roberts and said, God has told me you've got to give me a tent and 10,000 shares. And Oral looked the man in the eye and said, I will. But when God tells me the same message, I will. And he never told Oral, and so the guy never got the chairs in the tent. Because we're not into fake stuff here. We're into reality. If somebody says, Brother David, I believe God is calling you to Honolulu, I've got to feel a nudge to go to Honolulu. I say as a Jew, prophecy has to be confirmational, not directional. You know, if you look at Isaiah and everywhere where the Messiah is prophesied, it's confirming. It's not directing Jesus. It's confirmational, not direct. I could preach on that for hours, but I won't. Don't act until you see the star. Point two, follow the star. In other words, like the Magi, follow the star. You must be led and not driven. You like that, ma'am? I thought it's good, but I thought it was just me until, uh, you know, you've encouraged me some. It gets very lonely up front, you know. I mean. You've got to follow the star. You know, when Jesus drove the, the demons into the pegs, you know, I mean, first of all, the greatest dilemma to Jews are pork at a sale price. But when Jesus <laughs> drove... I'm glad some of you are catching my humor. But when, Je when Jesus drove the demons out of the man of Gadara into the pigs, they were driven. Now, how do you I know they were driven? Three things. The slope was downhill. They ran down the hill. They ran. They ran down. Now, the slope was downhill. The speed was fast. They ran down the hillside, and the end was death. You've got to know the difference in your life at this Christmas time between being led and being driven. And then, of course, you've got to be at the right place at the right time. I had to be in Bloemfontein at the right time.
You know, you learn that quickly when you miss a, a train. You're at the right place at the wrong time. Or a flight. And you know that's very true. I didn't want to go over this one, but I do want to tell you that Reasons to Believe are bringing books tonight. A book I wrote called God and Galileo. And some people won't be here tonight because they say it's cold, it's raining, and we're coming from far, you know, five minutes away from the church. And, <laughs> and my response is, yeah, I've come from halfway around the world for tonight. So I don't want to feel lonely tonight. I need you. You might, you, maybe you'll be 10 minutes away, but I've come 24 hours by plane to be here. So, you know. And I've written this whole book tonight called God and Galileo. I want to just show you about real worship, just very quickly. This causes me to worship. The Northern Lights. How many of you have seen the Northern Lights? Wonderful. If you haven't, you come with me. I take groups to Norway. Yeah, you just fill your name in. We don't accept cryptocurrency. I don't know, Josh, you've got me fired up on the crypto suddenly. But, I mean, just look at this. I took this picture. It's mine. If you've seen it before, somebody stole it. I mean, just look at the wonder and the awe and the glory of, look at that. Here's the aurora borealis. The temperature's minus 15 degrees centigrade, but you don't feel cold because we give you special coats and boots. Look at this. Look at this. A little meteor shower as well, a little meteor. And so you can see the wonder, even in Canada or Norway, of looking up this Christmas in wonder and awe. Just look at me there. They captured me. Yeah, you may take a picture of that, brother. It's copyright. And thou shalt not steal. But I'm giving you permission. The actual photographer. So you can't get better than the source. I'm giving you permission to take a picture. But you can see here how beautifully I'm dressed. It's a very expensive coat, this. We used cash, not crypto, for this. But the thing is, I kept my hands free. You see, I wanted to feel. I'm a guy who loves to feel. I love to feel the podium. It's not made of wood, but it's okay. Um, I love to touch people at the point of their needs. But I'm ending with this. You know, there's something in astronomy called an eclipse, a solar eclipse when a little piece of rock, the moon, comes between the earth and the sun. And he has a flame on the sun, and it's 40 earths high. 40 earths high. And the moon's only a quarter the size of the earth. But I want to show you something. This tiny moon can eclipse the sun. And it's so in our lives. A rock of stone of sin can eclipse Jesus. A heart of stone can eclipse God. And you know, so often people say to me, Prof, I can't see Jesus, can't find him. And I have to ask themselves, where's the stone? You know, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dread, he first said, Brian, remove ye the stone. He could have said, you know, Lazarus, come forth. and so." But he says to his disciples, remove 
ye the stone. You have to remove the stone. And so if the sun is eclipsed tonight, I want to tell you, sorry, I just want to go back one. I want to tell you that if God is eclipsed tonight, today, you need to remo remove the sin of stone in your heart. Oh, that's thanks, sister. You know, I was feeling so lonely. You know what I mean. But thank God, yeah. She says that's so good. Um, glory be to God, he gave me this analogy. A stone in your heart, as tiny as it is, can eclipse Jesus of Nazareth. And I don't know what that stone is. It might be pornography. It might be addiction. It might be... It might be, you know. But let me tell you, when people tell me Jesus is eclipsed, I've got to remove the stone. I've got to ask people to remove the stone in their shoes or in their hearts. Because God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what Jesus wants to do. God wishes to, this is it. Jesus comes down at Christmas time to remind us of servanthood and of washing one another's feet. That's Jesus. Remove ye the stone. Take away the stone because Christmas time is a wonderful time of gloria in profundus. God coming down. It has been awesome to minister here today. It has been an enriching experience for me to have a hug. Never forget that hug. I'll find my wife just now so I've been hugged. But Jesus comes down. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, and your love. Now, Father, I sense, Lord, that you've come to set the captive free this morning. Lord, I sense in my spirit this day that you've really come to set us free, not only outwardly, but inwardly, but often we've got stones in our hearts which keep us from seeing you face to face. Lord, I sense that there might be people who just need encouragement today. That's all they need. They're here at church, but they're feeling down. They need an infusion of grace. And I've got the faith, Father God, to pray for that now. I've got the faith that uh, you want to meet them at that point of need before I hand over to Pastor Josh for communion. Lord, so... Um, Without any further ado, if there's anyone who wants me to pray for them, just raise your hands. You want to be free. You, God's nudged you today. There's something in this presentation, and God's nudging you to act on it, to have the stones removed. And I want to include you in my prayer, but Jesus said, you have to do something. You have to remove the stone. And I believe part of removing the stone today is just lifting your hand and saying, God, Remember me, um, I'm now putting up my hand in faith, uh, removing the stone as Brother Dave uh, concludes in prayer. 
and uh, they're the hurting ones, they're the ones suffering from great disappointments and great pain. Maybe your wife has left you, your husband has left you. I don't know what's happened. Maybe you're addicted to some kind of stuff. Maybe it's poles, maybe it's pornography. I don't know. But God's saying, Dave, ask the people to raise their hands wherever you are. And I'm going to pray with you. You may put your hands down. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. In, with all the faith you've granted me this morning, and I pray for those hurting. Thank you that your Bible, so that the Bible says, we shall delight ourselves in you and you will give us the desires of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for that you call the stars by name, but you heal the broken in heart. And now, Father, comes the magic moment. Jesus, according to your word, Lord, you once told the suffering one, be loosed. I see people tied up in kinds of chains, various kinds of emotional chains, and you want to speak that word of be loosed. So, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and by the authority given unto me by the Spirit of the living God, I say unto the devil who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, I say unto you, Satan, be gone. In Jesus' name, be gone. Feel the power of Jesus. He set you free. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He set you free. His power came down, and you are free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Joshua, come up. Wow, thank you, doctor. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Communion. Yeah. Did you get your elements out? That God of the universe that is so big yeah. wants to have dinner with us. Mm. Wants to break bread. It's very simple. Yes, the most, Lord. The most simple thing that we do as believers is eat together. And that God of the universe wants to eat with us. And like doctor said, he cares about your practical everyday needs. And the solution, the way out, the hope is in the body of Christ. This is where your provision is. 
I know a lot of you are smart, a lot of you are savvy, a lot of you are scrappy, you're a hardworking group of people, but this is where your provision comes from. This is all you need. Receive the body of Christ for those practical needs in your life. Well, even Pastor Josh can get a total eclipse of the heart. That's what this drink is for. We have to be in communion. We have to drink this good cup, this happy cup, which washes away our sins and dissolves that hardness, that, that, that rock that blocks the light of Christ. we got to have it. we got to have this drink. I love it. Get to the point where I don't love this drink anymore. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to hang it up. I love this drink. Paul says that we have to examine ourselves before we drink this drink. We have to take a good hard look. We have to Ask God for forgiveness, and we have to forgive others so that we don't eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. Well, I think we all have that, that rock that's blocking some bit of Christ's light, light in, into our hearts. What is it for you? Just do some business with God. Is it a total eclipse of the heart? Is this a little spot on the sun? What, what, how much is, is blocking what Jesus wants to shine upon? Let's just wash all that away like it never existed. He doesn't see that rock anymore when we drink this cup in spirit and in truth. Receive the cup for the forgiveness of our sins and the removing away of that stone. We do this, Lord. May your grace do the rest. Thank you, God. Landon, come on up. Let's worship. One more final worship song. I want to worship at the Aurora Borealis. Dr. Block, I'm going to sign up. I'm going with you. I've always wanted to go. Do you feel the presence of God in the room? There's been... In my 21 years of formal ministry in this church, there's been defining moments, prophetic milestones. You just witnessed one of them. Like there was something broken, telling the devil where he needs to go. <laughs> Just like this is exactly what Granite Creek needed right now. So be grateful that the Lord has heard your prayers and has heard the prayers of this church. Something very special happened today. And I cannot wait for next Sunday. Yeah. But can have the ushers come to the front? God bless you as you return to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the prophetic gift of your voice spoken through men and spoken through women. Your word that brings life and light into the hearts of broken people. 
Thank you for Dr. Block. Bless him and his family. Thank you that you sent this man at the right time, the right place, to minister to your children. Thank you, Lord. God bless you as you get back to the Lord. receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious towards you, to turn towards you in your times of need and to fill your home with peace. Beloved, go in the blessings of the Lord today. God bless you. Have a great week. See you soon. So Dr. Block will be back tonight at 6 p.m. Invite your friends and family. Love to see you tonight.